Hey, Don. Hello, Zach. This week, we have a very special guest. We have Principal Sarah Wendlin of Walden Middle School. She's here today to talk about a really interesting article that you sent me last week. School districts around the nation are joining a class action lawsuit to sue the big social media companies. And here's the best paragraph I read. Plaintiff's lawyers are pitching school boards throughout the country to file lawsuits against social media companies on allegations that their apps cause classroom disciplinary problems and mental health issues, diverting resources from education. Nearly 200 school districts so far have joined the litigation against the parent companies of Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat, and YouTube. The suits have been consolidated in the U.S. District Court in Oakland, California, along with hundreds of suits by families alleging harms to their children from social media. The lawsuits face a test later this year when a judge is expected to consider a motion by tech companies to dismiss the cases on grounds that the conduct allegedly causing the harm is protected under the Internet Liability Shield known as Section 230. School districts say teachers and administrators waste valuable time responding to cyberbullying and other disciplinary problems, adding new training and school policies around social media use, and counseling youths whose addictions to online apps is leading to anxiety, depression, or suicidal thoughts. And Don, Sarah, this article kind of continues to lay out maybe this big-time potential lawsuit that could happen. What did you guys think about the article? I want in on it. I don't think it's hard. I think we can just say like, hey, our district wants in too. Clearly, I'm not a decision maker for many reasons, but I want in. They're causing what economists would call a negative externality. It is a spillover cost that our children are suffering and our performance at our school is falling. And we have to spend extra man and woman hours to try and deal with the consequences here. They should pay, Zach. They have the money. They should pay. <laughs> Sarah, what do you think? So, you know, when when you had mentioned this article, I've always kind of been of the mindset because we know as our youth gets older, when they move on to maybe upper high school, post-secondary, whatever that looks like, these boundaries that we try to put in place aren't going to be there. They're going to be able to access it all at some point in time. And I've always kind of been of the mindset that I wish that we could teach kids how to set boundaries within using these apps, but then looking at, you know, some of the statistics and kind of doing some follow-up, I also think that there needs to be, I don't know what it would really look like, but I, I just think that there needs to be some way more boundaries that are in place with these, with these apps, because as I've, you know, come across with, with certain disciplinary issues or even just teaching the access, like it, I think there's some statistic that's even on YouTube, like three clicks away to where all of a sudden it's super inappropriate, regardless of the fact that you are, you know, putting in these monitoring pieces as parents. So I definitely think that this is something that I, I can totally understand why school districts are doing this for sure. Would you support the lawsuit? Would you join Don? And maybe both of you could be star witnesses. You guys are, are on the front lines of this. I, I mean, as, as I've told many families, what the schools can and can't do when it comes to social media is a very gray area. Interestingly enough, my husband and I were just talking about this because there's a video game that's coming out in a few years or something that will then now ask because it's like a mature video game or something like that to look at and like take a facial profile for you to log in to play the game. Like Ooh. enough kids have lied about their age to be on Snapchat. I think you have to be 13 or 14, but I know that there are plenty of kids younger than that in the school that have it. So, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to being on board, but I just think that it's so lofty and there's so many loopholes that I guess it makes me a little more cynical about it being successful, if that makes sense. The Chinese are doing it. The Chinese limited it to like one hour of video games a day. And they're doing it with facial profiles and AI. And I think I, we're not going to do this. We are definitely not going to do this. <laughs> but I am all on board. We need to do this. Limit the video games. 
you know, I have a coworker and God love me. He's a great teacher, but he says that I'm not going to make these kids get off their phone. If they choose to miss out on the education and they want to make that decision, that's their decision to make. And I don't think that 16, 17, 18 year old, especially boys are capable of making that decision. And maybe not 19 or 20. I have a 14 and a 16 year old. And as I said many times on school nights at nine o'clock, the phones go to bed on the counter downstairs and everybody goes upstairs and to bed. That's the way it is at our household. I don't think that many households are like that. I'm told by my students often that I am the worst human being in the plant and the, on the planet. Cause I do so, but kids aren't capable of making these decisions on their own. So I, I do agree with that because when I think about COVID Obviously, I was in a previous district at the time when I was teaching through COVID, and I was teaching at the high school level, and they weren't required to have their cameras on, and the amount of kids that just weren't there, like they'd log in and go back to sleep, like, because we're expecting a 16-year-old to, as you were saying, Don, make the decision to be like, you know what, I really, you know, need to make this choice versus what do they want to do at 16? They want to hang out with their friends and be on social media. So I hear that for sure. Both of you, and I think most Americans at this point, are expressing lots of concern over social media and its impact on our youth in a variety of ways, both inside school and outside of school. At the same time, as you guys are kind of saying, like, man, we should try to parent, as Don is suggesting, and, and limit kids' phone use just in, in an individual family unit. Or, or Sarah, as you're suggesting, there needs to be just more restrictions within these apps to me, it's like, we're America, we're the cowboys, we love freedom, we love choice, and, and get as much of things as you want. But the other thing that we in America love is suing people when there's a problem. And to me, this seems like the natural end game to all of this, right? Mm -hmm. And in some sort of ways, I do wonder if there's a smoke-filled room where the lawyers in big tech are going to get in a room and, the, and big tech might say, what do you need? Is it just 50 billion? And then we can never be sued again. That's one or two quarters of profit for us. We'll pay it. You know, the, it's interesting because the lawyers in this class action suit actually had just won a $1.7 billion uh, settlement from Jewel Labs for schools for vaping. And these lawyers are now going around the nation asking school boards, do you want to jump in on this thing? And they were saying like, look, we got $3.2 million for one school district from that Jewel settlement. We could probably get more from this. I, it just seems like a natural end. And yet the thing that I'm nervous about is, let's say big tech pays off the American school districts, then we can never sue them again. And God only knows <laughs> what they're going to... But God only knows what's coming down, right? Big tobacco lawsuits in the 90s was basically, here's a bunch of money, but you can never sue us again. Mm -hmm. I, I would agree with that. And as it kind of relates to what I was getting at a little bit earlier is there are so many loopholes, right? So a lot of these apps, you're not supposed to be, you know, you're supposed to be a certain age to even have an account. But we all know that kids have these accounts uh, and they use a fake birthday or, you know, whatever it is. The other part is that they're not necessarily using these technology apps on a school device. In some cases, you know, and maybe other districts they are, but a lot of times they're using it on their own personal device, not in a time where they're, it's necessarily inappropriate. So there's like, I could see how they, that lawyers of the other side, even let's say you know, all the school districts in, in Michigan, for example, got on this, you know, lawsuit and said, yeah, we're going to do this. I, I could see knowing how gray that area is of what we're allowed to discipline for. I could see that being a big issue. And then going along with what you're saying, Zach, is also, okay, so let's say we win this lawsuit and we get all this money, then we never sue again. And is it really going to stop kids from finding loopholes to be able to access these sites because that's what they're used to. I mean, they've grown up with a technology so accessible to them that they don't know any different in my mind, like what I've experienced. I don't, I can't say all kids, but I would say from the amount of kids I've had over, you know, my nine years in education, most of them have grown up with technology right at their fingertips. So I don't know that that, I love the idea of trying to 
poke holes at the issues in social media, but I don't know that necessarily that's going to change things, I guess. No, but the lawyers would get 25% of any settlement. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so, so they would win. I, I mean, yeah. you're right. You're right, though, of, okay, you sue, you win. We still the next day have kids coming to school and then coming to your office with with problems. In fact, I was trying to think like, okay, so how would you go to a, a judge and try to prove that principal and, and teacher employee time is taken up with social media? And so then I was trying to think like, okay, well, what if we took your salary, Sarah, and then just uh -huh. said, what percentage of your time at school are you spending due to social media problems? Because then maybe we could actually put a financial number on this is how much one building is is spending, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, can you give an idea of like how much of your day, minutes, hours, do you spend on issues related to, I guess, is it is it social media only? Is it technology, bullying? I'm not sure, Don, if you can think of any other ways that we could calculate this. It's all tangentially related. I would say, and you also have to consider that's just one of us in the office, right? Like if we're just looking at myself, I know at one point I'm looking at something, the counselor's looking at a different issue from social media, and then our behaviorist is looking at something else, and our social worker is looking at something else. <laughs> and then you find out they're all connected in a big web of lies? No. <laughs> that's the, you know, and that and that's kind of the hard part is if I really wanted to, like I do feel like because of all the issues I've had to investigate, a lot of times when there's an issue with, like, for example, two kids in a class and you're like, what's going on? What, why are we fighting? Why are you guys yelling at each other? Like the teacher said, you just walked up to, you know, Jimmy and you started, you know, swearing at him using profanity. What, what's going on? And then after digging, you find, well, Jimmy started a group chat on Snapchat about me and was taking screenshots from my Instagram or TikTok and putting them on there. And all these people were making Ugh. fun of me because of that. So then it's okay. Well, that makes sense why you're doing that. Okay. Let me address that. But then let me go look and see who else is on this. Like, do you have screenshots of it? So then I'm going and I'm trying to find the page or I'm trying, you know, so I would say, and it sounds, and maybe I'm just exaggerating, but I feel like I would say a good 85 to 90% are related to something that happened or came from social media for sure. That, that much. Yeah. I find that totally believable. Totally I mean, believable. I mean, 85 I, to 90%, that, that's stunning to me. Cause I bring like other issues to you that are just like the kid, you know, threw the pencil sharpener in the trash or something. Like, I mean, did, totally irrelevant, not online. And I thought I was making your day busy. And yet most of your day is social media stuff. And there's, and there's a point where, and this is where the gray area comes in. Like if it's happening outside of school on a personal device and it's not impacting the school day, right? And that's in quotes, like impacting the school day is a very gray area there are limits to what we can't do. Like I can't just search a kid's phone. Like I would have to have a warrant or permission from the parent to do that. Like I can't just say, give me your phone, let me look through it. But kids take screenshots of everything. So then it's me trying to decode because they don't always use their own names. They have like nicknames for everybody they can rename in their group chats. Oh, or the other thing too is trying to figure out when kids, because kids make all these accounts that are like, bullying accounts but they're using a name and they're like soliciting other kids to send them stuff so for example there's been multiple like tiktok accounts about like you know secrets at school and then it's like this kid likes this kid or and it's other kids sending in like they send out little google forms for them to fill out with the information and then they post it on this anonymous account and trying to figure out where that comes from and then blocking it takes forever too, like trying to get it to come down and then trying to figure out, well, I think it was this person. Well, I think it was this person. Those take a lot of time. And when we got rid of, you know, the, the chat function on Teams at the middle level, I kind of was like hopeful that that would be something that would maybe diminish it a little bit, but every kid has a cell phone. And 
they know how to get on websites that go through like a lot of the blocking systems or all they all they have to do on their phone is get off the you know like wi-fi or something and then they can go through and get what they want through their data so it makes it very very difficult and it's very time consuming on multiple levels it's so much so zach there's a uh, lake orion high school teachers butts page and i'm yep. featured on that i don't think anybody wow. really went to take it down i'm fully closed for the record but it is there and uh nobody seems to be really come with pitchforks and uh torches for that one hopefully sarah didn't spend 90 percent of one day working on that website I, I I don't think anybody <laughs> lost sleep over that one. They're like, yeah, it's going to happen. Okay. So it sounds like you're going down all sorts of rabbit holes in order to try to figure out exactly what's going on. And obviously the big problem is, is that we now have student conflict inside of school that's originating outside of school, but the two are obviously very, very linked. And as you're kind of saying, though, your hands are sort of tied in maybe how you can investigate this, even if you do sort of uncover the nuggets of truth, and maybe you can even bring these students into your office, do you feel or how often do you feel like you're able to come to some sort of a resolution where everybody is going to leave your office and go back to class and, and start listening to Don teach supply and demand again? <laughs> That's, that's a tough question. I feel like it's really difficult because in addition, and this has been a lot, you know, that I work closely with the counselor and our behaviorist and our social worker. Then there's always the aftermath. Like I try my best to do kind of like, you know, those restorative conversations and try to bring kids to a resolution and, and reflect and talk through things and I'll check back in with them. But then also there's a lot of trauma that comes with even them recognizing the mean things because they are 11, 12, 13 years old, the hurtful, nasty things that they said online and understanding, starting to realize like, oh, now other kids are going to think that I'm this kind of person. So there's like both ends of that. So then that ends up being, you know, like I'll bring in our counselor into the conversation to try to help those kids work through, okay, so how are we going to do better next time? But not always knowing or guaranteeing that when it, when we do end up sending them back to class and then we talk to the parents or, you know, whomever their adult is at home, not always being certain that then they're going to be able to go back to class and really dive into the curriculum is kind of the hard part uh, on that end. Because again, I can't take, I mean, I can take their phone for the school day. I can't take it forever. I've had some parents, you know, say, you know what, just throw the phone out. Like you can have it. I'm like, well, I'm not going to, you can have it back. It's your phone, but it, it's definitely a huge challenge. There's the mixture of not only what can I discipline for, but also the, the mental piece that comes with all of that, that I feel like has, in addition to trying to investigate all these things, that mental health, social, emotional piece is huge. And it's, because of social media, what they're seeing, what they're exposed to really impacts their ability to be able to engage in, you know, social studies or math or science. Sarah's walking down a path that I've seen many, many times. And I think a lot of those kids don't necessarily make it to the admin office or to talk to a counselor or whatever. They're just really, really upset and pay and poking away at their phone. And I'm talking to them like, Hey, are you Okay. You need to see your counselor. No, I just in the middle of this thing, like, okay, what do I need to do so you can participate in my class? Like, I just need mm -hmm. five minutes. Okay, well, if you have five minutes, or you, you know, I'm trying to make sure they're not going to hurt themselves or others, but if you right. can in five minutes wrap it up and come back to class, I'm okay with that. But at least once a week, a kid is off the hook like all hour. They're just, they can't pull it together. Mm -hmm. And now I'm walking them down to admin if I can find them. Sometimes they just disappear because they're so upset and they're heading for a bathroom or whatever. So yeah. it is. And then you have the other 31 kids in the class you got to keep track of while you're trying to solve the issues for this one kid. I mean, it, it's really hard to quantify the lost learning aspect of it. Mm -hmm. But it's there. And, and I guess that was my question for you, Don, was we kind of got Sarah's perspective on how much of the time she spends on these issues if you were to testify in this uh, in this case, 
besides that anecdote you just shared, would you share something else that that like kind of the world needs to know about how schools are being interrupted by this? Oh yeah, I mean it's it seems to be the biggest problem for the kids that struggle the most in school. And those are the kids that have the most difficulty with impulse control. For them to pull away from their phone is the hardest thing in the world. And those are the kids that need to pay attention the most to succeed in learning the concepts and showing their mastery of them. So your kid that is focused, determined, and high level is probably going to be able to put the phone away and separate their life from that to do well. But the kid that's most likely to struggle is the one that's really going to hurt. And the big difference is, Years and years ago, you could say to a struggling kid, usually a boy, and say, look, I understand you're having a rough go, but it's you and me here for an hour. Let's get this thing done, and we'll just work together as best we can. And the kid would always say, all right, cool. Let's just make the best of this. We got to be here either way. Well, now they don't have to be there, not mentally. They can be <laughs> somewhere else, and they can be on their phone, interacting with other people, doing other things. And now it becomes a different issue because I'm trying to get them off their phone, which is no longer a cooperative interaction of learning it's now an uh, a very rough conflict where it's like okay look i need you to put away your phone but i don't want to like okay now we have a conflict that is not something that's building a relationship that's a really good point that's a really good point don about just sort of the negative interaction it now forces sometimes teacher and student to have well here's a question then uh, along this line is sarah do you think social media issues that you're dealing with in the office, does it follow the 80-20 principle where 20% of the student body is bringing up 80% of the social media issues that you're dealing with? Or would you say, no, it's equal participation and that it's 100% of the kids, all walks of life, all socioeconomic backgrounds that are dealing with this? Or is there just sort of a core group of kids that are just repeat offenders over and over but I can also just see where the web is so deep, where it's so easy just to send things off into, into group chats that so many people get involved in it so quickly. Mm -hmm. I would say when I really do the digging, I mean, it's it's much higher than 20% of the kids bringing 80% of the tech social media issues. Because you also think about, for example, when I first started teaching, when I taught middle school, I could do a poll very quickly, like, do you have a cell phone or a tablet? And it would probably be more like 50-50 in my sixth grade class. Now it's 95 to five who have some sort of their own personal device. And I think that the web just gets so far because, and I, and I understand that it's tough for parents because, you know, when I was growing up, I grew up through, you know, social media came when I was like near in high school, we had Facebook, but then in like my space, but then like all the really big social media apps came later. Like I would say probably near like the end of college for me or middle, middle of college is when they started. But then by the time I was teaching, they were starting to get more popular. But my point to that is when I used to exaggerate and say, but mom, everybody has a cell phone. I was lying where now kids aren't <laughs> lying when they say that, like they're not. And so then the parent feels like, well, I don't want to ostracize my kid, which I totally understand. However, I think that if you don't know all the apps that are out there and how to use them yourself, you have to really like as a parent in my, in my view, just you have, if you don't know how to use them and you don't know what's out there, then I think, you know, you can buy the burner phones. Kids buy them. They're, they're considered burner phones. They're flip phones that you can buy from like Boost Mobile. If you feel like they need an emergency cell phone, that's totally fine. That's fair. But I don't know, like, I don't know the right answer, but I just feel like the more and more that technology is so easily accessible at such young ages, it's a grand majority at least from what I've experienced. I can't say that for every place in every school, but I feel like it's more and more in every year, more kids that come into sixth grade with more, like more of them have cell phones, I guess. Well, it's not just the phone, it's the, what they do with it. So you can right. have a, we have a cell phone contract. When our sons got phones in middle school, they signed a cell phone contract and we hold them to it still. 
It is mm -hmm. not their property. It is our property. We can open it and look at it. We know the passcode. Yep. There are parents that do a good job supervising. There's also kids that have a burner phone themselves so they can run their own mm -hmm. stuff. Are you serious? Have... Oh, yeah. yeah. That's very common. Man, I've been living under a rock. Yeah, yes. you have a second phone that you keep in your uh, room to get out and do all the stuff that your parents won't let you do. Yeah, I think the majority, well, it seems to me that a lot of the parents, if not the majority, let the kids do whatever they want. And they're not really checking up on them, which we do often. We've been fortunate. Our older son has not had any problems, to my knowledge, and we keep pretty good track on what he's doing. But he also, we also have many formal discussions, like the internet's written in pen. Nobody ever needs to see a pic of part of your body that's outside your clothes. Mm -hmm. Inside your clothes, pardon me. That those things live forever. And that's a constant reinforcing discussion that we have. Now, I don't know if all parents are doing a great job, a terrible job. Maybe some have three jobs and then 10 kids and they're just trying to get by. And I don't want to cast shame on them. They're, they have other issues, but at least in our household, that's the way we run it. And I think too, to your point, you know, I've had a lot of pretty candid conversations with parents and having to explain how certain apps work. Like they, they felt like they were doing their due diligence to check their phone every night, but didn't realize, for example, that you could on Instagram, put your messages on vanish mode. So it looks like you don't have any messages, but actually if you turn that off, then you can see all that. And they didn't know that. And so I, I, I do think that people for a good amount, I mean, I would say there's a good amount that try their best, but don't always know necessarily what, what to look for. And it's kind of one of those things you don't know what you don't know. And that's kind of why I always try to stress with, with families when they're, what they're struggling with, you know, the social media pieces that, you know, if you don't know what apps you should be looking for, or like, if you don't have control over your kid being able to download apps on their phone, that's a problem because then you don't know what apps they're using and who they're interacting with and what they're talking about and what they're exposed to. So I do think that part of it is just because technology and like social media apps have just exploded in the last five years. I feel like every day there's a new one and more, more things that, you know, we, I at least didn't grow up knowing about. So, you know, I think part of it is, yes, you, there are some that are not necessarily, in my opinion, doing their due diligence to check their devices and make sure that they record or, or see what they're doing. But then other times I feel like it's just sometimes a lack of understanding of what to do or what to look for. Well, it also just sounds like in, you know, I mean, again, I didn't really, I, I guess I had never imagined that we've got kids going out and getting burner phones uh, and maybe <laughs> just call me naive. And, and as you're saying, Sarah, like, there's uh, invisibility cloak mess uh, mode on yes. uh, Instagram. <laughs> like I, I wouldn't have known these things. And, and I'd like to think I'm a parent who who has some idea that kids can get in a lot of trouble. And it just seems like there's always a way for kids to sort of maybe cover tracks. And and I guess my 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 question to you then is, if I'm a parent and I and I'm I have a sixth grader, I have a child going to sixth grade, and this was our first year this year where we got a quote unquote house phone because we did want our kids to start being able to call or text their own friends and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, right now we're we're set where we're not taking the phone to school with the sixth grader, but I, I can see as you're saying that 95 to 100 percent of kids will have phones in sixth grade, and therefore, how long does that battle start? You know, going for us, but. Mm -hmm. What are other things then that, that a parent should be considering uh, if their kids have a phone? And as you're saying, well, do you control the app downloading process on their phone? Uh, that seems like a good one. Are there, are there other ones that you think are just kind of blocking and tackling tips that people should consider? Well, I will say as a father of a 16-year-old that it's what happened for us is we were sitting at an Oakland University basketball game and our son was sitting next to a girl and she was asking for his phone number. And he's like, well, I don't have a phone, but I can give you my mom's number and she can contact me. And I was sitting like, oh, this could be a problem. Like, how is she <laughs> going to like she just and it was an innocent exchange. It's not like they're doing diabolical things. 
They're just yeah. like, hey, how do we interact? And then when our son went to high school, he said, look, I'm all on board on limits on apps and everything. But if I'm not on Snapchat, I'm in not interacting with people. That is where everything is happening, where people talk, meet, interact, plan things. When my son plans a run with his teammates, it's on a Snapchat group chat. And yep. that's where everything takes place. So as much as you want to be the, uh, <laughs> the Amish and say, like, we're going to step away from all of this, then you're also missing some level of interaction and planning, which is mm -hmm. makes them ostracized from the community. So as with everything else, I think you try to talk about decision-making, you model good decision-making and you discuss the connotations and everything goes with it. And you have to some degree to trust your kid, I guess, until they've shown that they can't be trusted. We've been lucky thus far and don't have any concerns, but you have to balance that and with what it is to be a child this day. They are not in our era. And Sarah, I'm way older than you. I'm almost dead. There was a wall in our kitchen that had a phone on it. <laughs> so did I. I, I had this was, too. <laughs> that was the only phone and a six-foot yes. cord and no answering machine. I mean, it was. it's a different world. It's hard to compare our world to theirs. In many ways, we're more similar to our parents and maybe even our grandparents than they are to us. And I, I totally agree because I would never want a kid to feel ostracized, especially because that's how they communicate 90% of the time. I know that a few times I have recommended to parents and I, I don't know the cost. I don't know what it looks like, but there are certain apps that you can download on your phone that goes to what you, the phone you give your child that it automatically turns off their social media access at a certain time. It mm -hmm. shows you the when they're accessing it so i know that a principal that i had worked for in a previous district he had access so like during school they could not access social media and then it would turn on when they would you know maybe get home from school or whatever they could still text but he could also if he really wanted to block certain number like during that time like couldn't text like he would turn that off for them so that they had if they really needed him they would call him like from a school phone and it shows you, you know, kind of the, it measures like the level of, I don't want to say inappropriateness, because that's not the word, but maybe, you know, inappropriate content. And I don't know how those are probably super expensive. Um, no, they're not. They're not expensive. They're not hard to do. We don't do them, but our friends did. And his kid, their kid lost his mind. Mm -hmm. So they turned off the limits. Oh, they, they, they cave to the kid. Yes, because the kid lost his mind when his phone turned off at 11 p.m. And, and and then they turned it back on. And it all depends on, you know, obviously the relationships that they have with their kids and, and the and the conversations that they're having and, and modeling that behavior. Because I've seen, you know, enough of people I know that have kids at the you know middle level that aren't modeling good behavior on social media. So, you know, it's hard to to navigate that sometimes too. But I just think being aware and trying to educate yourself on how to just make sure you understand what you can and can't do on certain apps, I guess, is, is just helpful for parents to know. Because like I said, if you don't know what you don't know, allowing them to have the phone and the, and the apps, and but going through their phone and not seeing anything because you don't know what you're looking for is hard. But I know that there are tons of resources out there to educate people on how to use certain apps. Now, Facebook, Google, Snap, TikTok are the ones named in the lawsuit. Are there other apps that you're coming across in your office that kids are are, are misusing? Um, Snapchat and TikTok are huge. Instagram is owned by Facebook, so that's kind of roped in there. Kids don't really use Facebook. They're mostly on Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok. And I know Be Real is getting pretty big as well. Um, is that but, another like cat video site, although inappropriate <laughs> videos? No. No, it's this thing where you get a, you know, a certain time and then it says take what you're doing. So it's like you take a picture of yourself and then you turn around and take a picture of where you're at. You take a picture of where you are like selfie and then you take a picture and then you post it and then everybody else does the same thing. That's fun. It's supposed I, to be more less cultivated than Instagram. So Instagram, yeah. your Instagram photos are cultivated to make you look at your best. 
the uh, Snapchat is supposed to be fairly immediate and it's you maybe not looking very good. Be Real is just where you are at the moment. And so I am often on students' Be Reels because they'll be, it'll come up during class and be like, can you be on my Be Real? <laughs> Absolutely. I'll just sit there like I am in class and I'm learning. Now put the phone away. Like, let's do this and get going. Okay. Uh, any other apps that are out there that come across your desk? Zach, I have trouble with coaches Snapchatting athletes in my class multiple times. There's one coach employed by our school district who I've had several conversations with. Stop Snapchatting the students in my class during school. That's interesting. I mean, but Don, I think that brings up the largest point. Sarah, you just mentioned how like parents are just as bad at using social media or just as mean and, and spiteful and stuff like that is the problem just seems like it's so big because adults are just as bad at this or the number of parents that will, will get upset when like, why didn't you let me call my child in your class today? And it's like, well, because phones are supposed to be in their locker. Well, I needed to talk to them. And so you, there's, it's, it's a no win situation on a lot of these things. Yes. And it's, it's just this idea, which I know I'd kind of mentioned like in the beginning, but I wish that there could be some happy medium and like, we need to teach kids how to set boundaries. Like, but also there are adults that need to learn how to set boundaries on social media. Like <laughs> you shouldn't be Snapchatting your players during the school day. No, you shouldn't probably have them on Snapchat as an adult and they're a child. I mean, that's just where I'm at with that, but. Agreed. I just feel like my biggest fear for when I think about the kids in my office that are dealing with these issues on social media as they move forward, this doesn't go away. And there's no like way we're just going to wipe it all clean and be like, well, social media is gone. So what can we do to help teach kids how to set those boundaries with social media? Because they are so addicted. You know, I've had some kids that through multiple issues and disciplinary, you know, consequences have been like, you know what, Mrs. Wendland, I'm going to bring my phone to you at the beginning of the day. I'm going to leave it in the office and I'm going to pick it up after schools. And that's usually something I suggest after a while, if they get in trouble with their phone all the time and it works at the middle level, but that's not necessarily a more of a band-aid, I guess, because it's not really teaching the kid how to actually set boundaries. It's literally restricting them from not being on their phone. So I don't know. I think it's a bigger issue than we necessarily realize in the amount of social emotional baggage that comes with social media with our middle schoolers, especially high schoolers, is really scary. And I and I worry for them because as we all know, it's permanent. Once it's out there, you can't just delete it. It's gone. It's it's going to be there forever. I feel like society's changing in general, though, though. I think we're more accepting of everything. Like you can accept it's everybody's more accepting of people made bad choices. Let's move on. People's more accepting of different body types, different looks, different things people have done. They're like, oh, okay, yeah. Like, I think we're just going to a society where like, oh yeah, I took these awful pictures when I was set 18. Mm -hmm. And now- Oh, no, we're just moving on. Like, okay. Like, I, yeah. I mean, I definitely agree with that. I also just worry because I know that there are jobs that if you can access that, because people who are in the, you know, HR departments of certain companies and things are more technologically savvy, can find those pictures and be oh, like, yeah. no. No, no, no. You don't want your pediatrician with those pictures out there. <laughs> Do, do you guys think a an outright firm phone ban at schools would be beneficial? I just saw this yes. summer that Traverse City Public Schools, uh, kids have to basically check their phone in when they walk in and you're not getting it back until the end of the day. I think the high school, maybe the kids can have it back for lunch or something like that. But ultimately, uh, you know, you're seeing this a little bit more around the nation as some school districts are just saying full ban. Do you think that would be something that 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 should happen? Or do you think we have to play the card of no, the real world has phones. Kids need to learn how to manage it, although we keep seeing them manage it very poorly. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think? Ban them all. I struggle with that. I mean, I think 
so in my previous district, we at the middle level went to that where there were no phones, like not, not before school. If you, the second you step on the grounds, you cannot have your phone. It has to be in your locker, didn't have it at lunch, all that. I don't, I don't know that it's necessarily, I think there are pros and cons to both of it, both of those, those ways of, of thinking about it. But I, you know, I just, I then go to, as I said before, then when they go on to, you know, a university and they have free reign of access to their phone. And so university's problem. That, and they'll be that much older. They'll be better apt, able to make decisions. They're not able to make decisions. Yeah. Well, some of them. They, there's a yeah. there's a there's a strong minority or maybe a majority that can handle it, but there's a lot that just can't. But you know what? Then they'll do. They'll just stop coming to school. Truancy's up two x since the beginning of the pandemic, anyway, in every subgroup. And so kids that are borderline coming to school, like the kids I had to talk into coming to school, they won't come to school. I will assure the attendance issues will be infinitely worse if you do that. That's the only con I can see. Make us time. Come to school. You can use your phone. I can also see the the other side of like, well, I pay for my student's phone, not you. So you can't tell me they can't have their phone. Yeah, we can. If- <laughs> Pay for the kid's car. We don't doesn't mean they can drive it through the hallways. They play they can pay for the kids vape. That doesn't mean they can vape in the hallway. Like they pay for a kid's gun. They can't carry it in the school. Like that doesn't like parents need to shut up. They're too entitled. And I say that as a parent. I I, I guess my thing would be is they should try this for like a 10 week pilot. I always go with there's (laughs) one day of the year at the high school called sellout where all the kids Don't they pay money to give their phone away for the day or something like that? And whenever I talk to these kids, they always say, oh, it's an amazing day. It's like the best day at school. Nobody's on their phones and everybody's like talking to each other. And all I can ever think is like, well, don't we want more of that? Wouldn't that make more sense? Yes. And the sellout is a neat event. The uh, financial aspects more complicated, but the uh, in general, it is a good day. Kids like it. I don't think they do it every day. But if there was a policy, it just seems like, wouldn't that be maybe a way? Or, I mean, it it seems like you could try it for 10 weeks and then decide, oh my gosh, like the kids were were listening longer and they, they, we had 25% less fights and disciplinary stuff. Or I guess we could say, man, the school day got really boring because nobody was starting up stuff on social media. Love it. I'm all in, Zach. You don't have to sell me. Sarah, you don't we don't seem like we have your support on this one here. No, I I am not I'm not disagreeing. I just I I would I would love to try that at the middle level for 10 weeks. I could see that being more of an issue at the high school level, but middle school, I would be I mean, that's why I I really try to push with with kids early on when they come in like at the beginning of the school year, like cell phones in your locker in your locker we're not checking it in between classes like it's in your locker you don't need it but i know that there are a good majority of of parents that want their kid to have it on their person which i'm fine with but don't let us see it it shouldn't be going off it shouldn't be on it so why do parents want it on their person i i don't get it my 14 year there's no safety the cell phone protects you from nothing it puts you in danger (laughs) From your cohort and from everybody else. It puts predators in your life. The cell phone is not safety. My 14-year-old would get to middle school and put it in his locker and pick it up when he left for track practice. Like, mm-hmm. that, that is it. He never had it with him. My six-year-old has it with him because kids can have it with them. We've given up at the high school. It seems like high school <laughs> given up on dress code. Some teachers enforce cell phones. I do. But I think I'm the minority. And when you say every teacher has their own plan, you're basically saying, okay, we're going to just give up for most of it. And those kids aren't learning math now. They're just not learning math because math or TikTok, I will tell you what will win, TikTok. No, Don, they're on Khan Academy. They're learning math on their phone. 
No, they're they're screenshotting pictures of the problems that then the app answers it for them so that they can cheat. Yes, the Chag or no, I guess Chad GPT will just do it for you for free. Yeah, right? yes, yeah. on Snapchat. Chegg stock is way down, Zach. That company's going bankrupt. We did an episode on that. They're done now. AI's taking that job. Mm -hmm. So here's a question then for you guys is obviously Facebook, Google, Snap, TikTok, they're the ones named in the lawsuit. Apple, Samsung didn't make the lawsuit, yet they make the phone. Do you guys think they should be thrown in this thing too and, and we should go after them for a few billion? Uh, I don't know. Because this, this whole thing is interesting from the legal part, at least I find it interesting, and in that it comes down to this shield section 230. And basically, it's always stated that the big social media companies are not liable for what people post on their platform. However, some people think that there's a loophole when you're, when you're making the arguments that they're going to make for schools. I realize that Apple and Samsung can't be held responsible for what the social media apps on their phone are doing. But at the same time, aren't they the first uh, hit of dopamine that any kid or adult gets when you get the ping, you get the buzz, uh, you get the sound, and, and then they're taking you right into that gateway. In, in fact, if we got rid of Apple and Samsung products in the school, wouldn't we have less problems? So shouldn't they be named? I think that's like going after the auto companies for having cup holders in their car or cigarette lighters in their car. I think that's just a bridge too far. I think it's the software companies that are making it extra addictive and whatnot. The hardware companies, I think it's a harder jump to make. I don't think any of this is actually going to work, but in actually change students' behaviors. However, I just think it's a bridge too far to go to the device makers. I would agree with that. I also feel like when I'm just thinking about the devil's advocate piece of, of adding the, the Apple and Samsung in there is typically it's adults buying the phone. So they can say, well, it's not, I can't control if they're going to give their phone that they pay for every month to their kid and not manage it. So yeah, I don't know. It might, that might be a stretch. Okay. Well, I heard I heard the Google phones coming back, so maybe they're maybe they're part of it. I don't know. Uh, maybe I just I just thought it was interesting that they they are not going after the hardware guys, and they obviously have a lot of money too. Let's um, hear what the big tech companies say in the article. This is what some of them said, and I guess I'm curious: Do you guys believe what these companies are saying? So Google said protecting kids across our platforms has always been core to our work. Snap says they vet all content before it can reach a large audience and nothing is more important than the well-being of its community. A meta spokeswoman said the company wants to work with schools and academic experts to better understand these issues and how social media can provide teens with support when they need it. So what do you guys think? Do you think, you know what, they've done their job. Uh, they're innocent in this whole thing. No. <laughs> no? Are, they, are you not I having conversations with Meta? They said they're calling people. I mean, I just think about, you know, I was an ELA teacher for quite some time. I always just think about evaluating the validity of the source. Like when you tell me that Snapchat vets its, you know, content before it goes out to a large group, well, what's a large group? Like, because I know tons of large group Snapchat groups at school that are super inappropriate that they clearly have not vetted. So, or it could just be three kids. Right. Bullying then, a kid about their, then gets the way their body to looks kid, or whatever. Sends to this kid. Yeah, like, yeah. right. So I, I don't think they're innocent in all of it. To me, all of it's just, you know, they're all probably in cahoots with each other. If you, if you really go down to it to make money, but I would love if, those different app companies really did work with schools to figure out how to better figure out or understand these issues, because I'm sure on the coding end of it, they are not necessarily seeing it. Well, we're just collateral damage. They're all searching for profits. Right. And Facebook's right. the only one that makes actual profits. TikTok loses money. Snapchat loses money. 
and Apple's making tons on hardware. So is Google on search, but ultimately Facebook's the only one that's making real money. So let's cut out the others on the lawsuit and go after the money. Let's just go after Facebook. Oh, wait, no, no. I'm a Facebook shareholder. I'm against all this now. (laughs) That's a good point. I mean, there's a ton My kids of don't use Facebook. <laughs> oh, well, the old people do. But they do use Instagram because they're owned by Instagram. So I guess that would still that would still work. But it's interesting because like there's a lot of conflict of interest of cynically, I don't want to believe that the mental health and well-being of young people is on the minds of big tech. They seem like their business is all about getting people to use the app longer, look at more yep. ads. And engagement, right? Yeah. Uh, it's possible that they are like, yeah, this is also a problem. But at the same time, they, they clearly don't seem like they want to stop it. So I, I guess I kind of um, sort of look at this question then to you guys is let's pretend uh, we got on this lawsuit and, and successfully after paying our lawyer 25%, we get $3.2 million, which really doesn't seem like that much to try to go about solving a lot of the things you've described today, Sarah. But I guess my question is, is there a job that we need in schools? Is there a policy, a series of rules that we should enact to try to either reverse or alleviate the problems that we've been having because of social media in schools? And let's pretend we're spending our fictitious uh, settlement money on that. I've always kind of wondered if maybe I've talked about this, my brother works IT on the west side of the state for hospital or a chain of hospitals like healthcare, but was in a school district. I wish that there was a tech person for every school, not for like, oh, my computer won't turn on or my email's broken or my team's like one that literally helps navigate the like could do the investigative portion (laughs) (laughs) for me in terms of like the social media, because I'm not, I, I don't work. Like there are times where I'll call my brother and say, Hey, how do I figure out like the people linked in this photo or like the people that are on this chat, like, can it show me? And he'll send me some codes to type in and like, I can kind of get there a little bit better if I really needed to, if there's like a, you know, a threatening situation at school or something like that. But I wish that, or maybe if we just even use the money to help educate families, not only on how to use the apps, not only on how to get resources of like how to help download some of these apps to kind of get the controls in place, but also how to help you have conversations so you can help set boundaries with your kids at home that we can then reinforce at school. I don't know. It sounds great on paper. (laughs) You know, you know what I was thinking is what you really just need is a couple of students to go undercover and Mm -hmm. just pay them to, to turn all their friends and everybody in. (laughs) You know, I have had kids offer me that they're like, you know what, Miss Wendland, I know all this stuff, but if you just like pay me, I'll tell you everything. I'm like, no, that's not, We can't do that. <laughs> Yet. Yet. Don, would you, uh, you got any, you, you got any ideas as to what you'd spend the money on? Ban the phones, which would cost $0 and build an indoor track with a 3 million. <laughs> Are we going to just make them walk? Is that what they're going to do when they're nervous? No, I just think our school district needs an indoor track. There's no indoor tracks in Oakland County. We need to have one. I have two sons that run track. We need an indoor track. We're not going to really solve this problem, but we could at least do something worthwhile, like have an indoor track. Fair. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm certain that, uh, you know, the money maybe does get misspent uh, in some sort of way or. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's going to be poorly allocated anyway. So let's do it for something that benefits me and my family. Maybe just how about the tip line? Just like the kids that know stuff can uh, get twenty dollars from Miss Wendelin if they if they if they give <laughs> give good information on something. Like instead of okay to say like okay, Miss Wendelin, and then they just send it. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. No. Gift cards. I could see that going very poorly. <laughs> so you you said eighty five ninety percent of your day is spent chasing down um, things in the of this nature of social media. How much time do you spend when you go to meetings with other administrators 
talking about social media policy, talking about the impact it's having on, on your day or how you're unable to get to the other responsibilities that you have. It, does that take up a lot of sort of admin meeting time? Takes up a decent amount because we also, you know, kind of in addition to like trying to investigate all of it and the, and the like, like Narnia web, if you will, of like how all these things are connected and who said what to who. But then there's also, when we talk about like the resources we need to help kids with their mental health, all of that's related to social media. I mean, you can, sure, I don't necessarily have like, you know, quantitative data showing it, but I can prove it by the conversations I have with kids, by the conversations my counselor and behaviorist have with kids. So a lot of it also is like, how can we build in more programs to talk about some of these like maybe executive functioning skills or I don't know what exactly you want to call it to help kids be able to, because we know that they're going to experience negative interactions on social media. It's inevitable. If they have a social media account, they're going to experience it, whether it's towards them or just being exposed to another student talking about another student. So how do we give them the skills to not only process it, but then maybe know to go to an adult or be able to have a trusting adult that they can talk to. So a lot of it kind of talks, like it kind of goes more into that realm, but it all is related to social media. It always comes back to it. So I would say, I mean, and even, you know, I have a lot of friends that are, you know, across Oakland County and, and Wayne County and Macomb County that are administrators. And it's sad, but all of us are seeing this as an issue. It's not, you know, my, I have a friend that's a high school assistant principal um, in another district and you know, she had kind of said, like, unfortunately, a lot of the social media stuff, you know, at the high school level, dealing with 11th and 12th graders, it's not really given to them. So their investigative piece is a lot more difficult, where at the middle level, I do kind of have more students that will come forward, which is I'm thankful for. But, you know, it's it's an issue across schools everywhere. It's not just, you know, in certain certain areas. I love the idea that Sarah's somewhere in a meeting with our good friend, David McKay, talking about whether or not Jill's photo and how she looks bad in a bathing suit is the correct social fodder for who said that, who shared Jill's bathing suit photo that's unflattering. All right, we got to get to the bottom of this. Like, You're right. And it's, I mean, I can't imagine that conversation. And yet I think what maybe the general public doesn't kind of see is maybe somebody listening now is like, well, who cares? Okay, so they had to figure out, you know, this this bathing suit drama or whatever. And you know, that's they're they're fine. They're just principles. But I think the thing is, is people forget is like it isn't what schools are set up to do. It mm-hmm. it isn't our core mission. And more and more time is getting further and further away from our core mission, which is mm-hmm. educating students. I, I think that's the part that I think there is a lot of legitimacy to this lawsuit. Now, I can never decide if it's just like, is this a frivolous thing? Or is there actual damage that you can prove and that there's somebody responsible for it? And I I mean, to me, it it almost seems like our district should join because it's like any of those class action lawsuits, even if you buy a a bad blender, right? There's a chance you might get a $9 check in the mail if you just sign your name. I mean, wouldn't you say it makes sense? Like, is is there any downside to joining such a lawsuit, do you think? Zach, I think you're wrong. I think that the core mission of the school is to do everything society wants it to fix. Anything that happens to society, bullying, everything just gets thrown at the schools. We now have financial management. We have sexual education. We have all these functions that used to fall in the home and the church and the community all come back to the school. School has to mop up everything. And our role just keeps expanding and expanding and expanding without much more additional money. Now, and I'm being silly about this whole thing and being kind of facetious and joking, but this is actually very serious, as we all know, that there's risks of suicide, there's risks of people harming themselves and others, and tremendous downsides and scary things. Um, And I probably should take it more seriously. But the aspect, is is this a school thing? Yeah, schools are asked to do everything all the time. So yeah, it is the perfect thing to ask schools to do. 
as far as the lawsuit, yeah, like you said, I'm all in. Let's let's go after it. I don't think it's going to change anything, but why not? No, I, and Don, you're 100% correct on, on what schools are being expected to do. I guess in some ways it's like we still just have the same eight-hour day that we're trying to still do it all in. And it just seems like more and more of the of the time is being spent, uh, you know, on the social media world. Well, this has been very enlightening, and uh, and, and Sarah, th- thank you so much for for joining us. Uh, do you have any final thoughts or questions or advice out there? Maybe there's young people or desperate parents listening, hoping that you'll have all the solutions uh, that you'd like to share. The only thing, as I have said many times, is know your kid's not lying when they say everybody has a cell phone because they do check for burner phones it's a real thing kids do it i will it. be doing that now to my sixth grader wait when i go upstairs here in a minute <laughs> um but also just try to educate yourself if you don't know the ins and outs of an app then you need to make sure that you do before you allow your kid to be on it because otherwise if you are doing your due diligence to check their phone, you're not going to know what to look for. Don, any final thoughts on your end? No, I've shared probably way too much. <laughs> it's been a pleasure, though. Thank you for joining us, Sarah. Yes. Well, thank, thank you guys you so, so much. much. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And Don, it's been a pleasure talking with you this week. I'll look forward to talking with you next week. Absolutely. Take care. Bye-bye.